Hey everyone, this is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Lucanon, and in this episode, we are covering the fourth season episode of season three of Picard, No Win Scenario. This is the one where, as the crippled Titan A is plummeting down a gravity well within the Ritan system nebula, acting Captain Riker tells John Luke that since they have about four hours left before the ship is either destroyed or runs out of life support, Picard should use this time to put his affairs in order and get to know his son, Jack Crusher. As the two tentatively bond on the holodeck in the 10 Forward Avenue bar program, Riker is trying to dictate a message for Deanna, Beverly is timing the bioelectric waves that are hitting them, and Seven is looking for the changeling that is on board and sabotaging the ship. Season 3 of Picard has, in the fans' eyes, redeemed the show. With the new showrunner Terry Metalis and the decision to make this final season the undiscovered country that the TNG crew never got, there was a sense of vitality and focus that the previous two seasons lacked, with an overall plot of a conspiracy to take over Starfleet from the inside, and of Picard reuniting with Beverly and their son Jack being produced by Vatic, a changeling captain working for an unknown someone else. And while some might complain about the season of being a massive nostalgia trip, compared to other nostalgia trips that we've been getting from different franchises over the last few years, the fact that the season waited until the 8th episode to bring all our TNG cast back, for me showed huge restraint. And with the new characters introduced in Season 3, they weren't squandered and shoved aside, but given real meat to sink their teeth into, and could hold their own against our main cast. In particular, the captain of the Titan A, Liam Shaw. Played by Todd Stashwick, Liam Shaw has become one of the most beloved new characters in modern Trek by fans. Introduced as the dick captain who follows the rules to the letter and keeps saying no to Picard and Riker, as well as be hostile to Seven as his first officer and kept calling her Hansen, this was the episode where we learn Shaw's backstory and find out why he is the way he is and why he has such animosity towards Picard. What a harrowing tale of survival. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt family time. I may be a little out of sorts. Your mother's pretty liberal with those pain meds. But uh, speaking of harrowing stories, did your old man ever tell you about the time that he and I first met? USS Constance? Start A4400 2.3? Now, come on, you must have heard about the Battle of Wolf 359. 40 Federation starships up against one Borg cube. Yeah, I was just an engineering, just a, a grease monkey. And the next second, it's like, it's like space itself was burning. Fifty of us made it down to the life deck. But uh-oh, there's just one life pod, 10 seats. But the thing is, we were all friends. They were all my Jack Crusher. We weren't, we didn't fight over who should live and who should die. No, we, we waited for orders and then finally, some lieutenant comes down and she just starts puffing. You, me, me. She's pointing at me. Why, why me? 
I'm just some dipshit from Chicago. Now I'm lucky number 10. She didn't count herself. Get in, she says. That's an order. I know. I know. I know. I asked myself the same thing. She'll make a mistake. I'm sorry. Eleven thousand dead. Do you know where your old man was on that day? He was on that board cube, setting the world on fire! Forget about all that weird shit of the stargazer. The real Borg are still out there, and they have a name for you. Locutus of Borg. The only Borg so deadly, they gave him a goddamn name. All right, that's enough. No. No. It's all right. I understand. Computer. Arch. Forgive me. At some point, asshole became a substitute for charm. Shaw hates Picard for the same reason as Cisco in that he was on the receiving end of Wolf 359. This tied into the theme of the season of the TNG crew confronting and reconciling with their legacy as the Starfleet heroes we know and love. And speaking as a writer, I love characters like these. I love antagonists who have legitimate grievances against our heroes for their actions and are not afraid to call them out on their flaws. And I prefer this over your standard bad guy who's being a villain just because the script calls for one. This deepening of Shaw, as well as him getting in on the action as the grease monkey who helps to get the nacelle covers open as part of their plan to use the energy from the bioelectric waves to escape the gravity well and Seven's plan to expose the changeling on board the ship was some masterful characterization of a character that went from most hated to most beloved by the fans. And even though he was killed off in the penultimate episode, if they could somehow bring him back for the theorized Star Trek legacy spinoff that fans are clamoring for, it would be the right choice. As for the rest of the episode, this was also where, after being split up over the previous three episodes, our TNG crew was finally starting to work together as Beverly figures out that the bioelectric waves that they are being bombarded with are contractions and that the nebula is a womb for stellar life forms and that they've encountered before, specifically at Farpoint. With her science expertise, Riker's leadership skills, and guards piloting, the Titan A is able to escape the gravity well and tractor an asteroid into Vatic's ship. We got to see what our characters have learned is the best thing that they do. 
trust each other. We also got some great moments from Riker as he tried to dictate a message to Deanna about how his grief over the death of their son Thaddeus led him away from her and back to Starfleet. This is probably the most we've ever seen Jonathan Frakes, who also directed the episode, get under the Commander Riker facade and show us a vulnerability that, looking back on the TNG era, was surprisingly rare. And as for our villain of Vatic, she is played by Amanda Plummer, and if there was anything in this season that screamed undiscovered country parallel, her casting would be it, as she was the daughter of Christopher Plummer, who played General Chang. My only regret with Vatic was that at no point did she say this. And the fucking pricks move! And I'll execute every motherfucking last one of you! <laughs> Sorry, I just had to put that in there. Also, even though they explained that the holodeck has its own separate power source so that it wouldn't be shut down during a shipwide power outage, I'm going with my own headcanon reason, which is we spent a ton on the bar set for season two, and by God, we're going to get our money's worth. No in Scenario, which is the third episode of Modern Trek, whose episode title refers to the famous Kobayashi Maru test from The Wrath of Khan, is a new favorite episode of mine for not only starting to bring our TNG cast back together, but for being the turning point of a character that went from being the most hated to the most beloved. Join me tomorrow for when we skip ahead to the series finale and we see if our TNG cast finally get their undiscovered country. Live long and prosper, and also live well. 